don't think there's war in the spirit world and it's affecting mankind, you really need to read your Bible. You know, before the halfway point of the first book of the Bible, Genesis, man is kicked out of paradise, the Garden of Eden. The world is flooded. Only eight survive. And a tower that mankind built to reach up into the heavens is abandoned because God confounded the languages. And Sodom, that great city, it's burnt to the ground because of perversion. You can be sure, you can be sure, in generations past, generations that will come after us, and this generation right now, everything is being affected by the spirit world. It's happening all around us. The chaos, the trouble, it's spiritual. Things happening in that invisible world that affects the natural world. And that is what this series is dedicated to. Welcome to Spiritual Warfare Part Number 3, Spirit Signal with Justin Gleason, a God, Bible, and Church podcast, bringing you this message in the year 2020, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and many other platforms. Please consider subscribing and giving us a great review and rating. Listen to our past episodes and come back for future podcasts. And please be sure to tell somebody about Spirit Signal. Podcast listeners are awesome. They're the best. They're loyal, smart, and delightful. So I hope you and I will stay connected here on this podcast, but also follow me on social media, Facebook pages, Instagram, and Twitter at Justin C. Gleason, and also contact me at spiritsignaljg at gmail.com. Podcasting is the future, and with the help of your loyal listenership, I will have a future in it. Today is October 22nd, 2020. It's actually a very special day for me. Today is my baptism in Jesus' name, 29th anniversary. That's right. 29 years ago today, I was baptized my father, Stan Gleason, at our old church, Life Tabernacle, at 720 South Richmond. So yeah, it's a great day for me. And I thank God for that holy moment that I will never, ever forget. I wish that I could tell you after my baptism that my life was perfect. I wish that I could tell you the last 29 years has been chaos-free, trouble-free, problem-free. Actually, quite the opposite. After my baptism, I experienced spiritual warfare. I sure did. It's just like Jesus after his baptism. What's the very first thing that happened? I can tell you what, he wasn't walking on water. He wasn't being transfigured. He wasn't raising people from the dead. No, the Spirit drove him drove him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. That fall, after I was baptized, I had a dream. I was standing in our old church right in front of my dad's office door. I remember looking up and seeing uh, his door, very distinctive. It had on it a door knocker with a really beautiful uh, cursive G. And I remember looking at that, and I heard, to my right, a loud screeching noise. And when I looked at it to my right, down the church hall was a six-foot-tall black crow with a sword around its waist, screaming at me. I was terrified. So I ran down the other hallway, trying to escape. 
And when I got to the end, I looked around the corner, and that black crow had be had ran down the other hall. It, it's a it's kind of a, it, the old church was a a squared layout, the sanctuary in the middle with ha- a hallway all around the sanctuary. That crow had ran down to the end of the other hallway, and screamed at me again. And I'll never forget as this crow was screaming at me. I could hear the sound of somebody praying for me in our sanctuary. And I looked through a door into the sanctuary and I saw a man. His name is Brother Tom Clarkson. I could hear him praying for me. And to this day, he is still one of my personal intercessors. But I looked up at this crow and it charged at me. It got right in my face. It had eyes like a human being. And I'll never forget the terror that I felt as this thing came near me and began to scream at me. I was terrified, and I woke up. And in waking up, looking in my room, blinking my eyes, I could see that very same crow in my room. And all I could say was, Jesus. And it disappeared. That was my first introduction to the spirit world. And yeah, it happened right after I was baptized. I used to think for a long time, that I may have done something wrong after I got baptized. Maybe my baptism wasn't good enough. Maybe I wasn't serious about it. How else could a devil get into my room and attack my mind and in my dreams like that? Well, then I discovered scriptures. Like Paul's saying, I have wrestled the beasts of Ephesus. Just like Zechariah, the prophet who sees Satan himself standing up against the high priest, Joshua. And then, as I've already said, Jesus is driven into the wilderness to be tempted by Satan himself. I mean, you look at all of these examples, and you see people doing the right thing, walking the path of righteousness, and yet they're attacked by the devil. You see this happen with Job. You see this happening in so many instances of the Bible. And I've come to tell you, as we conclude this series today, If you're being attacked by the devil, chances are it's not because you're doing anything wrong, but rather it's because you are doing things right. And this usually happens after people's baptisms. It's like all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose. That's because the devil wants to destroy everything that you have built up to this point. Getting baptized and having your sins washed away And repenting from this world is a major deal. And those first several weeks after your baptism, usually a 40-day deal, are crucial to people. Just about everybody I have ever talked to is tested for about 40 days after their baptism. It's like that moment, are you really, really sold out to this? Are you really committed to this? Because the tempter will come and God will allow it. But I've come to encourage you that if you are sensitive to the darker aspects of the spirit world, meaning the devil, evil angels, demons, unclean spirits, and all of that, if your eyes and spirit are open to that, you are also opened to the angelic. You sure are. It wasn't too long after that I had a dream. See, I was uh, eight years old when I was baptized, and my... Grandpa Charles Dyson, my mother's father, was a powerful man of God. He passed away when I was only two years old, the first of my grandparents to pass away. 
and his passing troubled me. It shook me as it does for any child. And I would often ask my parents questions about him. And, you know, they tried their best to answer questions about that appropriately for a child. But I thought about him often, especially when I would lay down at night, I would think about my grandpa. And I will never forget, shortly after I was baptized, I had a dream. I opened my eyes, and in front of me was a large, the best way I could describe it, it looked like a vacation resort. There were like these beautiful-looking beach houses everywhere, but they were constructed of stone, constructed of these uh, bricks, unlike anything I've ever seen. And I remember looking down, and I was standing on what looked like paved gold. The sky was uh, an orangish purplish color. Absolutely beautiful. I couldn't believe what I was looking at. And it wasn't like any normal dream. It was like I was there. Like I could feel the streets on my feet. I could feel how the air felt. I could even smell the beautiful smell of that city. And the light, I couldn't see the sun, but like the light wherever it was coming from, it wasn't like normal sunlight like here on this earth. That light, as it were, scattered across all of those beautiful homes. And after looking at where I was standing, this beautiful place, I looked up and a man approached me. A man who I had seen in old pictures at my grandma's house. I realized I was looking at my grandpa, Charles Dyson. He passed away in his 60s, but I was not looking at a, six, a man in his 60s. I was looking at a man in his 30s. Hair combed nice. His face looked very similar to a human being, but it almost had a, a vibrance, a glow to it. He had on like an uh, off-colored linen shirt, like an off-white linen shirt. He had on nice brown slacks and these shoes that were copper-colored. Very, very nice. Uh, not quite like dress shoes, but almost even more fancier than dress shoes. And this man looked at me when he spoke. His voice, it was like surround sound. And he looked at me and he said, Hello, Sir Justin. I cannot wait to see you here someday. And I woke up. My grandpa, his nickname for me was Sir Justin. I would have been his, uh, almost his youngest grandchild, his second youngest grandchild at that time. That was my nickname, Sir Justin. I woke up and realized, and I told my parents the dream, and it was shortly after that they began to teach me about heaven, began to really talk to me about the, the afterlife, heaven, hell, all of those things. Baptism opened up my mind to the spirit world. It opened up my heart to it. And after that baptism, I began to see and experience things in church that I had never seen before. I'm talking about real stuff as an eight-year-old boy. The Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter number 16, begin reading at verse 14, The Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. And a distressing spirit from the Lord troubled him. 
And Saul's servant said to him, Surely a distressing spirit from God is troubling you. Let our master now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is a skillful player on the harp. And it shall be that he will play it. And with his hand, when the distressing spirit from God is upon you, and you shall be well. So Saul sent his servants, Provide me now a man who can play well, and bring him to me. Then one of the servants answered and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is a skillful player, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person. And the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey, loaded with bread, skin of wine, a young goat, and sent him by his son David to Saul. So David came to Saul and stood before him. He loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. Then Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Please let David stand before me, for he has found favor in my sight. And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and play it with his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. You notice the Bible language here, a distressing spirit from the Lord. It doesn't mean that God ordered this spirit to go there. It doesn't mean that God endorsed the spirit to go there. But rather, this is a way of honoring the Lord, meaning the spirit had permission from the Lord to go and be a distressing spirit. Or this could also mean this is a spirit created by God and not from man. The emphasis here, probably Samuel that wrote this, is that the spirit that was upon Saul, it was not of the earth. Now you notice this, it doesn't say a spirit of the devil because the devil can't create its own spirits. This answers the question, where did the spirit come from? Because up until this point in Israel's history, there really wasn't a lot of mentioning of spirits. It was still a mystical world that was uh, uh, mysterious to the Old Testament prophets. Only till later on in uh, the days of Ezekiel and Daniel did really the spirit world truly, really come alive. Then, of course, when Jesus came, I mean, it was like, I mean, he just pulled back the curtain on all of it. But here, the prophet wanted to make sure that the reader understands that this spirit, it's not a human spirit. It's not of the earth. It came from God. It came from God. You know, you read later on in your Bible, uh, the pro- the uh, the prophet Micaiah. The prophet Micaiah has a vision of all the spirits standing before the throne of God, and the Lord says, "Who will go and be a lying spirit for me?" And one of them stands up. So that's kind of how it works. You know, God sometimes will make agreements and give by permission demonic spirits to go and do what they want to do. You look, you look at the story of Job, all of those things. So that's kind of what it was like here for Saul. And, uh, you know, you just take a look and you could read in the chapters before Saul was not obedient. Saul at one point was little in his own eyes, but became great in his own eyes and disobeyed the commandments of the Lord. And it displeased the Lord. And God said, you fine. You want to do things your way. I will let Uh, things be done your way. Let's see how you can survive. And that is where this spirit of distress came from. Saul went from feeling like a king 
to feeling like the lowest man in his kingdom, a very distressful spirit. I've been distressed before in my life. It is no fun. You feel hopeless. You feel abandoned. You feel all alone. You feel paranoid. And if you're not careful, that spirit can really, really bring you down. And you know, Saul didn't call out to God during those times like he should have. Oh, no. He just sat there and let that spirit of distress do what it wanted to do. And his servants could see it. Let me tell you this. When you're attacked by the devil, other people are going to notice it, especially the people that are closest to you and people, I suppose, that serve you or people that are underneath you in your family, in your church, or wherever. They're going to see it. They're going to notice it. They're going to see the change. You can be blind to it, but they'll notice it. And think about this. They don't call for a prophet. They don't call for a man of God somewhere. They wanted a musician to come and to play for the king, to dismiss this stressing spirit. And, of course, they call upon David, the one who was just anointed by Samuel. And in coming to play for Saul, that distressing spirit would leave. Now, notice this. David here is in his first battle. Well, his first battle was against the, uh, the lions and the bears, okay? But I'm talking about the real battle after he's anointed king. You notice his first war is not against giants. It's not against Philistines. It's not trying to battle his own mistakes and failures with Bathsheba. It's not trying to get past the family conflict that came. It was a spirit of distress. David's first battle is spiritual warfare. And in playing that harp and singing his psalms that he wrote to the Lord, that distressing spirit could not handle it. Because in that moment in time, David was giving glory to Almighty God, singing praises unto the great God of Israel, singing praises to the one who had it all under control. I sure would like to know exactly what psalms uh, that he played for David but I know this, David believed that God was the one who fought the battles. David believed it's not so much my physical shield and sword and my buckler that's saving me. Oh, no, God really is my sword. God really is my shield. That's how David felt about God. He viewed God as his shepherd. He viewed God as his, as his rock. You know, back then, if the enemy came against the army and they felt outnumbered, they couldn't win, they would run to the hills. David wrote about God as like my hill. He is like my rock. Everything that David looked to for safety in the natural world, God became all of those things to him in the spirit world. David was very in touch with the spirit world and would all move upon him in worship. Now, I love preaching. I love the altar call. That's, that's really primarily all I do nowadays. I'm pretty much nowadays around here like the sixth string drummer and like the eighth string bass player in our church. But back in the days, I used to play a lot of music. Nowadays, I mostly preach and uh, try to work the altar calls as much as I can during this time of pandemic, social distance, and all of that stuff. But I have seen devils come out uh, during preaching. I've seen devils come out in the altar call. But can I tell you this? The place you never would have thought that they would come out is in the worship service, and I have seen it happen. Matter of fact, I think most devils come out and leave and depart during worship service. 
It's probably why here in the American church we really don't see a lot of demonic activity, probably because it's taken care of in the worship service. They come in there, and as it were, David is playing the harp. The apostolic uh, praise singers are up there on the platform. The apostolic musicians playing under the Lord. The devil cannot handle that type of worship. It is a type of worship that drives out the devil. They start exalting the Lord, singing praises unto God. The devil don't want to be around that. He can't handle it because God inhabits the praises of his people. And if you will learn to praise the Lord, if you will learn to worship the Lord, that's when God shows up and manifests and the devil cannot handle it. Yeah. I remember one service, the first verse started and, you know, people were kind of coming in the sanctuary. This is a few years ago. People were coming in the sanctuary and, and shaking hands and, and a smiling and saying, praise the Lord, it's good to see you. You know, all of those good things, a part of Christian love and Christian fellowship. And uh, it's, it's, usually, it's usually not until the second song that everybody finally gets it in their mind. Okay, let's worship the Lord, you know. It, but let me tell you this. There was something weird going on in that sanctuary. And, I mean, to the point where I stood up and was kind of looking around like, what's wrong? I feel something wrong. You know, I just, red flags were going off in the Holy Ghost. I didn't know what it was, but when that second song started, it was more of an upbeat praise and worship song. I look over to my left through the people. It was a packed out house and people were already in the altar praising the Lord. I look over to my left several aisles over and I see this thing standing there, a horrible looking thing. It's if, if you want to know what it looked like, it looked like a Muslim woman in one of those um, burqas, uh, whatever they wear, where their face is covered, their whole body is covered. That's what it looked like, but it was not of this earth. It was a demonic spirit. And I watched this thing for two seconds, and I closed my eyes, and I began to pray against it. And, I mean, the worship team was singing their hearts out. People were in the altar praying, but there was just something holding everything back. There was just not that breakthrough in worship service. And I realized what was going on here, that demonic spirit was trying to take control and make that service about itself. And I began to pray against it. And this is kind of hard for me to explain, but I could feel somebody else praying with me against this thing. I didn't know who it was, but I could feel like the the strength of prayers all around me. You know what it's like to, to feel somebody praying for you? That's what I could feel. Somebody else was praying. And when I opened my eyes the next time, that demonic spirit had vanished. And there standing there in its place was a teenage girl, a teenage girl who was very disturbed she actually was from another church. She really had no business being in our church. If, if you really want to know what was going on, she was from, she's from a family of uh, church hoppers who have hopped around to several other churches. And that family sent her over to our church for whatever reason. You know, and we, we welcomed her, whatever, come on in. But she was there and she was uh, bad news. And you know what? She was into some very bad stuff. A lot of anime, a lot of weird things. A lot of weird video games, weird books, all of that. 
and uh, she is wrapped up in an alternative lifestyle uh, to this day. It's, it's just a sad situation. But manifesting right there was the demonic spirit that oppresses her, and I saw it. And whenever I opened my eyes and that spirit had left, uh, that girl, uh, for the first time ever, I think that I've ever seen her, actually looked free. And I watched her begin to worship. Sadly, it didn't take. That devil left. And whenever she walked out of our church, she went right back to being one-on-one with that evil spirit. But when that spirit left that Sunday, all of a sudden, like the praise and the worship just blew up in that house. I mean, just erupted. Like the whole audience, even though not everybody could see it, they could feel it. And whenever that spirit left, it was a distressing spirit. The praise was amazing. That happens more often than we think. And after that service, two other men in our church, whom I greatly trust, came up to me and described for me the same thing they saw and they felt. And I said, oh my goodness, I saw it too. And those were the two guys that uh, agreed with me in prayer. And we didn't even know it. We prayed that thing out. This stuff is real. Can I tell you this right now? The devil and all of his forces, the principalities, the powers, the rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness in high places, unclean spirits, spirits of error, wicked spirits, perverse spirits, all of the things listed in the Bible, they are becoming more and more intensified in the United States of America and Canada. A lot of times you think about devils, they only happen in third world countries, and they do. It's all the witchcraft, all of the oppression, but they have made their way to this land to bring it down. It's happening all around us. And I tell you this, the denominal church world, as good as they do things, there is one thing they don't know how to do, and that is spiritual warfare. And this generation and this society is being attacked by the devil, tormented by the devil. Before COVID-19, a lady came, first time guest to our church, and she wanted to talk to me, and I said, sure. She didn't even want to talk to me in in public there at the altar. She wanted to talk to me in private. And uh, I said, no, let's talk right here. And she opened up to me about all of the crazy things her husband was doing. Her husband was demon-possessed. And she said, I have visited so many other churches in this city. And she said, this is the only church that I actually feel some peace and liberty. And, And she said, every other pastor thinks I'm crazy and there is no devil in this and that. And I said, oh, no, you got a devil. I prayed over a prayer cloth. I gave it to her. And as far as I know, she went home and found some peace. You know, you're going to be having people like that come into your church that are wanting healing and answers. And the denominal world doesn't know how to help. All of the religions out there, they don't know how to help because they have no spirit. They have no spiritual power. They have no clue even what a spirit signal is. But the apostolic church, one thing we were known for was casting out devils. And the devils are alive. And they're moving. They're going all throughout the earth like roaring lions, trying to break apart families, break apart companies, tear apart civilization. And there are forces in high places working together with all of these things. All of the movies, the books that are out there, all of the perverse things coming out of Hollywood, 
Yeah, kids are getting into it and getting devil-possessed. Kids are getting devil-possessed. Teenagers. This teenage girl I'm talking to you about grew up in an apostolic home, went to an apostolic church, and she's devil-possessed. How? Because of the things she was watching, the things she was reading. She did never, she never developed spiritual armor in her life and full-blown demon possession and full-blown alternative lifestyle. People are going to be coming into church wanting help. And it's the power of the apostolic church, our worship, our praise, that'll drive out the devil. So worship team, whenever you step to that pulpit, whenever you get on that platform, never forget, it's not about you, it's about God. But also realize what you may be doing in the spirit world. It could just be your music that begins to drive out the devil. For some of you, maybe you're newer to the faith and you're in a spiritual war right now. Keep fighting like David did. Keep fighting like Jesus did. Keep fighting like Paul did. Allow God to expose the devil for what he is, what he is doing, and resist everything that he says and does, and submit yourselves to God, and he will flee from you. If you're troubled in your mind, keep on listening to this podcast, but then also Turn on some godly Christian radio. Find yourself some good music that you like. Soak up your worship services. Get involved in it. Raise your hands. Sing the songs. Talk in tongues. Do all of those things, and Satan will flee from you. I'm Justin C. Gleason, your podcast host. We love you. I don't know exactly all who listens. I'm staring at a wall right now. But after every episode, I lay my hands on my equipment and I ask God, Lord, touch my listeners. God be with them. And if you will pray that same type of prayer in agreement with me, I pray that God continues to give you peace. Continues to give you peace. In Jesus' name. Spiritual warfare!